Hello, and welcome to the TIC Midweek Podcast. My name is Peter Palma, and I'm the pastor of Taipei International Church, and this is Encounters with Jesus. Each week, we are looking at a different story in the life of Jesus and the way he interacted uh, with someone. And today, we're looking at the man who was born blind. It's found in John chapter 9. And so let's jump right in. Verse 1, as he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Now, this was a pretty common belief in Jesus' day uh, that if there was something wrong with you, if you were sick, there was a direct correlation with sin. And so for the disciples, they see a man born blind, and the only explanation must be that his parents must have done something terrible, or somehow when he was in the womb, he sinned against God, and so God responded by making him blind. This was the common belief, and it, it's really not that uncommon in Taiwan uh, with uh, karma and Taoism, Buddhism, this idea that if I do something wrong, there's a direct correlation with something bad happening to me. But Jesus actually turns this around, and he says that this happened so the works of God might be displayed in him, that God allowed this to happen in order to glorify himself. And at first we may think, well, that sounds really selfish of God, but just hold on to that thought. And, you know, we want to trust that Jesus is good, that Jesus is full of love, that Jesus is wise, and God is good and love, and he never does something that is unjust. And so we can hold on to that question. We're going to come back to it later, but let's keep moving. So Jesus uh, in verse 6, it says, After the, saying this, he spit on the ground and made some mud with saliva and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means sent. So the man went and washed and came home seen. Now, we don't know where this conversation took place, but it obviously was close to the blind man, and he was not involved. Uh, what I want to point out is the blind man does not ask Jesus to heal him. Jesus just takes action. And in fact, there are three other stories of Jesus healing on the Sabbath. Uh, and when he does it, the people don't ask him, one of which is the, the man that we talked about last week, the man at the pool. Jesus healed him, and the man didn't ask for it. There is a woman who's bent over, um, and Jesus healed her on the Sabbath. She didn't ask for it. There's also uh, the story of Jesus healing the man with the shriveled hand in the synagogue, again on the Sabbath, and the man didn't ask for it. So in these instances where Jesus is healing on the Sabbath, he is taking initiative. He is approaching these people, and he is healing them. And so Jesus makes the mud and puts it on his eyes and then sends him to a pool, Siloam, which means sent. Now, why would he send him to a pool called sent? Why didn't Jesus just heal him uh, in that moment? We don't know for sure. It could be because Jesus didn't want to draw attention to himself in the moment. And by sending him away, 
the man would get healed later and Jesus could go on with, with his agenda and yet the man would still be healed. But what I think is Jesus does this for a very specific purpose. In John chapter 8, Jesus makes the claim, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And then it says in verse 13, so the Pharisee said to him, you are bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. Uh, And they get into this argument with Jesus about the fact that he is his own witness. And so the Pharisees want this other witness. Well, we turn over to John chapter 9, and Jesus is healing a man born blind. And later in the chapter, we're going to see nobody has ever heard of this happening before. And so I believe that Jesus is sending him to this pool called Sent, because when he goes and he explains this to the authorities, he is going to be appearing as a witness for Jesus. He is sent to be a witness. And so I believe that this is actually an act of grace, that Jesus loves these Pharisees. And they're saying, you know what? We need another witness. You're appearing as your own witness. And I believe that Jesus is sending them a witness because he loves them. And, you know, their hearts are hard and they're not going to respond, but maybe there is someone in that group who will respond, who will recognize that Jesus is sent by God because of the testimony of this man. Well, so the man went to the pool, he washed, and he came back seen. Verse 8, it says, The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar were saying, Is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some said, It is. Others said, No, but he is like him. He kept saying, I am the man. So they said to him, then how were your eyes opened? And he answered, the man called Jesus made mud and anointed my eyes and said to me, go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and received my sight. And they said to him, where is he? He said, I do not know. Now, this is a funny story in the narrative. The the neighbors who see this man on a daily basis are blind to him. They don't even know his name. And they, they think that it's more likely that a lookalike is impersonating the blind man, that somehow the blind man has disappeared and this man who just kind of looks like him is in his place. Uh, it shows us that we can be blind to those in need around us, that we see them every day and, and we ignore them. But this man is already testifying that Jesus is the one who healed him. And notice the difference. We're going to see the difference between him and the man at the pool. The man at the pool rejected Jesus. Uh, This man is witnessing to him. Well, in verse 13, it says, They brought him to the Pharisees. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind. Now it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. And this is something that we've we talked about last week uh, the pharisees had made 39 different rules about what is work and what is not work and there were a few rules that jesus broke in this uh, one rule was making mud it's technically kneading combining uh, saliva and mud together 
um, and kneading them together to make mud, that's a violation of the Sabbath. The other violation, of course, is healing. Uh, It was not allowed to heal someone on the Sabbath. You could prevent them from dying, but you could not heal them. And so the Pharisees are going to get upset about this. Verse 14. 15, so the Pharisees again asked him how he had received his sight, and he said to them, he put mud on my eyes, and I washed, and I see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, how can a man who is a sinner do such signs? And there was division among them. So there we see it. Um, There's division. Some people are believing his witness, but there are others. Their hearts are so hard. Even though this man who has born, been born blind can see, all they can see is the rules were broken. Jesus made mud and he healed this man on the wrong day. He must not be from God. Well, verse 18 or verse 17, it says, they said, to, they said again to the blind man, what do you say about him since he has opened your eyes? He said, he is a prophet. There's the testimony. Verse 18, the Jews did not believe that he had been blind and received his sight until they called the parents of the man who had received his sight and asked them, is this your son who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? His parents answered, we we know that this is our son and that he was born blind, but how he sees, we do not know, nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him, He is of age. He will speak for himself. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews, for the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus to be the Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue. Therefore, his parents said to him, He is of age. Ask him. Now, this would have been a very intimidating situation for the parents. The Pharisees are asking them, the first question is easy, is this your son? Of course, they can say it, yes. Uh, And was he born blind? Yes, he was born blind. The second question, the second question indicates they didn't believe that the man was born blind, and the answer is an easy yes. The third question, though, is the one that is really upsetting for the parents or terrifying because they know that anyone who claims that Jesus is the Christ will be expelled from the synagogue. And so they're afraid. They don't want to be kicked out of their community. Um, They don't want to be attacked. And so they say, well, look, our, our son has the ability to answer himself. He's of legal age. He's competent. Just ask him what happened. We don't know. So they're protecting themselves. Uh, and they're afraid to answer the question. But the man is not. It says, the second time they called the man who'd been blind and said to him, give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered, whether he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know, that, that though I was blind, now I see. They said to him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I've told you already and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? Now, the blind man is courageous. He is not afraid of the Pharisees. And and they say, we know this man is a sinner. Give glory to God. They are completely blind to the fact that Jesus is from God. 
and they see this incredible miracle right in front of them, but because it breaks their rules. It's not done in the way they want it to be done. It's not done on the day they want it to be done. So this man must be a sinner. They're they're completely blind to what Jesus is doing, the love he has, the compassion he has, and they're fixated on their own rules. And they're full of pride saying, we know, we know this man is a sinner. But the blind man says, look, I I don't know if he's a sinner or not. I, I don't know that. But what I do know, I was blind and now I see. And so for the man who is at the pool, his miracle did not lead to faith. Jesus healed a man who didn't ask for it, and the man continued to sin. Here you have a man who his life has been transformed by a miraculous touch, and his response is to say, I want to be a disciple of Jesus. He's not afraid of what man can do to him. He knows that God has touched him. And so one of the things we can learn from this, and and we'll keep going, but one thing we can learn is that miracles are an opportunity for faith. Healing is an opportunity for faith. Some people will respond and seek Jesus. Uh, Others will continue sinning, but there is incredible power in people who are healed or experience God's touch because they know what they were like before and they know what they're like now. And so he is passionate and unafraid to stand up to these religious leaders. And and so what happens is uh, they reviled him saying, you are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. The man answered, why, this is an amazing thing. You do not know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. And there we have it, this incredible witness to Jesus. So do you see that the healing that changed his life gave him this tremendous courage to stand up to these religious leaders who were intimidating everyone and to clearly testify that Jesus is from God. And if we go back to chapter 8, when they were saying, you know, you, you're giving your, you're your own witness, your testimony is not valid. Here Jesus gives them another testimony, but they can't take it. They're not willing to listen. And verse 34, it says, they answered him, you were born in utter sin and you would teach us. And they cast him out. Now, the word knowledge is used three times in this dialogue, verse 12, 21, and 25. Edward Clink puts it this way. The ignorance of the Pharisees is magnified when they declare that God has spoken to Moses, which is probably reflective of Exodus thirty-three, eleven. It is the Son alone who knows God, John 1, 18. But their ignorance is highlighted by their dismissal of his origin. We do not know where this man is from. The reader of the Gospel of John is well aware that Jesus is from above. 
John chapter 3, verses 3, 5, and 31, and that his origin is in the beginning with God. John chapter 1, verse 2, and therefore from God. So their dismissive attitude toward Jesus is in truth dismissive of God. They think they know, but they are ignorant. And Jesus is sending them this witness and they dismiss him. They're blind. And, you know, we can become blind to the truth. We can become blind to what God is doing right in front of us. We can allow our hearts to become hard. And so we need to remember this to maintain a posture of humility before the Lord, to allow him to speak to us through his word, through his witness. Now they throw this man out, and it says that Jesus heard that they had cast him out, and having found him, said, Do you believe in the Son of the Man? He answered, Who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, You have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. He said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. Now we get back to that original question of why was this man blind? Was it he who sinned or his parents sinned? And Jesus says, no, that the works of God may be displayed in his life. Um, God is glorifying himself through this man. And his story is, is one that through his healing, his life is transformed because he meets Jesus and believes in Jesus and is adopted into God's family. But he also is this witness to the community and not only to the community, but to the world uh, for the rest of time because his story is recorded in scripture. And so I believe that this man, if you asked him, how do you feel about God uh, making you blind or allowing you to be born blind? Uh, and then giving you sight to glorify himself. I think this man from heaven would say, I am so grateful, I am so glad. It was such a privilege that God would could use my life in this way to magnify himself and to show people who Jesus is. I don't think there's any bitterness or anger or feeling like God was unfair. And if we can keep that perspective that God will use our pain, our grief, our suffering to glorify himself, it positions us so that God can use us as a witness uh, to Jesus and for his glory. Now we've got a few lessons that we can learn from this story. One is that God uses our pain to glorify himself. Another is that God sends witnesses to reveal who Jesus is to us, and we have an opportunity to respond. And in this case, God used a miracle. And there are several different responses to that miracle. Uh, one is the man wants to become a disciple of Jesus. Why? Because his life was radically changed. And he knew what he was like before and what he was like after. And so he wants to follow Jesus wholeheartedly. He's completely transformed unafraid to publicly declare that he believes in Jesus. So this is a response to a miracle. Now, his parents see the same miracle, but they're afraid. And they don't seek Jesus out. They just say, you know, don't ask us about this, ask him, because they don't want to be kicked out of their community. So they recognize that there would be a cost to believe in Jesus. The miracle is not enough for them to pay the price uh, to be a witness to Jesus. Then you have the response of the Pharisees who 
are, they don't believe, they're not silent, they're angry. They're angry that this took place, and they believe that Jesus is a lawbreaker because he didn't do it their way, uh, according to their rules. And so the miracle means nothing to them. A while ago, someone objected to us praying for healing at, at TIC, and uh, their argument was basically, you, we can pray for healing, but some people just go on sinning. They won't respond to God, and they'll just come to God come to church to get healed, um, but they won't actually follow Jesus or become a disciple of Jesus. And what we see in, in the ministry of Jesus is the story of John chapter 5. John, God healed a man who was lame for 38 years, and that man experienced this miracle and didn't become a disciple. We see it in this chapter that the parents of the blind man witness their son being healed, but they don't become disciples. The Pharisees witness the miracle, but they reject Jesus. However, the man who was blind embraces Jesus and becomes a disciple. And you know what? Jesus didn't stop healing people, or he didn't not heal people based on their response to him. Jesus had a tremendous amount of compassion and love for people who were sick and broken and needed healing. And he healed people regardless of how they were going to respond to him. And as a church, we want to be that same kind of witness that if people are in need, if they need healing, we'll pray for them. And we believe that God can do miracles. And the miracle is an opportunity for all of us to respond to Jesus, those who experience it, those who witness it. But you know what? Each one of us has to make a choice. And John is asking us in his gospel, do we believe? We have this witness, this story that Jesus is the one who brings light into the world, and those who follow him will not walk in darkness. Will we respond with faith? Will we respond like this man to the work of Jesus in our life and say, I do believe and fall down and worship him?